Well, good morning to all of you. My name is Josh Watson. I'm the adult education uh, teaching or, or life group pastor here at Whitestone. If you need a Bible for this morning, if you could raise your hand, the ushers will bring one. We'll be in one of the Gospels, the passage throughout the morning. So um, if you need a Bible, yeah, just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. As some of you may know, a group of 22 people from Whitestone went to the land of Israel last month. Uh, it was a 10-day trip, and we got to see a, quite a few of the locations of where the stories in the Bible took place. And while we were there, one of the places we visited was the traditional location of where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. It was on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Mount of Beatitudes uh, because Jesus starts out that sermon with, of course, the Beatitudes in chapter five. And here is a picture of that location. It likely took place you know, on this hillside right next to the Sea of Galilee, which you can see in the background. And the reason I wanna show you this picture is so that you can get this image in your mind and maybe even picture yourself there in that location because um, it's the setting for the passage that we're going to look at today. I want to read through and talk about a probably pretty familiar passage to you from Matthew chapter 6, which is right in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bible, if you could, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And again, picture yourself sitting on this hillside next to the Sea of Galilee, alongside a large crowd of Jesus' followers around you, listening carefully to Jesus as he speaks these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So as you sit down on that hillside, the first thing you hear is, therefore, I tell you. Which probably means you're a little bit late getting to the sermon. Maybe you got lost on a nearby hill, or maybe you didn't want to come early and have to meet all these new people, so you just try to slip in a little bit late. 
But because the first words are therefore, you realize, oh, I missed what was before. So you lean over to the person that's next to you and ask, hey, what did he say right before this? So the person thinks this, oh, yeah. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And oh, also, you, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. So you say, thanks. Then you kind of sit back and think about it for a little while. You cannot serve two masters, therefore, do not be anxious. So Jesus is saying that the reason we're anxious and we worry so much is because we're trying to serve two masters. And you've never looked at it that way before. But it's true, because we say that we serve God, but yet we give the bulk of our day to our own schedule and interests. Because we think we're doing ourselves a favor. We, we think, hey, I can have both, right? I can have God to save me from hell and to help me if things get messed up in my life, but I can also pursue my own interests and more income to improve my life. But Jesus is saying here to us, you're wrong. You're not doing yourself any favor. You're missing out on so much that I have to offer you because you're distracted and you're just worrying and being anxious all the time because everything is out of your control. But it's hard for us to see this. It's hard for us to really see this because we think, no, I'm not, I mean, I, how am I serving two masters? I, I'm not serving wealth and possessions. I don't have, you know, a, a huge house, a nice boat, season tickets. But then you think about who Jesus is talking to in this passage. I mean, if we really were to be able to sit down on this hillside with all these people that day and listen to Jesus talk, we probably wouldn't look around and see members of the Galilee Country Club or you know, the Sea of Galilee Lake House Homeowners Association. <laughs> These were simple people, poor people, fishermen spending their day out on the lake, farmers you know, each day out planting, sowing seeds, merchants in different trades, women just trying to get by and to feed their kids. The audience that day was first century rural Galileans. So anyone can be guilty of serving two masters because it's not how much you have, it's how much you think about what you have. Again, it's not how much you have, it's how much you are concerned about it. And when those concerns start to control your thoughts and control your emotions and you, it becomes worry. And Jesus actually commands us three times in just this one passage to not worry. In verse 25, he says, do not be anxious. Verse 31, do not be anxious. And then again, verse 34, do not be anxious. That means that worry is actually a sin because it breaks God's command which is surprising because we don't usually think of worry in that way, right? We think of worry as just a, a natural response to the negative things in life. 
kind of, you know, just an emotion like happiness or sadness. We don't think of happiness or sadness as sin, right? That's the way we usually think about worry. But Jesus says here that it is a sin because it's the result of trying to serve two masters, God and your own interests. I want to serve God, but I need to take care of myself. And as a result, we worry. So Jesus says here, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. I mean, here are basically the two things that most of us worry about in some way, our life and our body. An example of this is food and clothes, and that's why Jesus mentions them. But at the root of it is our life and our body, our overall health and our appearance to others. Are my basic needs met? And am I accepted? Will I be protected from the things that can harm me? And will I be appreciated, respected by those who matter to me? Jesus says it usually comes down to this. Your well-being and where you fit in society. And we tend to measure both by stuff. It starts as a concern, but then the concern slowly begins to control our thoughts. And whatever controls us, that's our master. That's what it says in 2 Peter 2.19. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. So in response to this, Jesus gives us reason number one why we should not be anxious. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? If, if God gives the greater, will he not also give the lesser? Some of you are probably familiar with who Carl Benz was, or at least the name Mercedes Benz. Benz was the first to market a vehicle that was powered by an internal combustion engine. And it all started one day when he witnessed a house fire that was caused by a cleaning solvent made from petroleum. Some gloves were put into this solvent and placed near a fireplace, and the solvent caught fire and spread. And from this, Carl Benz realized that he could use this form of petroleum as a source of fuel for his internal combustion engine. And since now he has a way to fuel a vehicle, he could start to build the first motor wagon. But here you have Carl Benz, just a human. Yet even he had the intelligence to know there's no point in creating a vehicle if you don't first figure out a way to fuel it, to keep it going, to make it operative. But somehow we think that even though God created us with infinitely valuable life to rule his creation with so much purpose and potential to change lives and to build his eternal kingdom, he might have forgot that we would need fuel. He might have overlooked this important detail and that maybe he's in heaven thinking, shoot, they need, to, they need food every single day? <laughs> if God gave you life, won't he also give you food? If he gave you a body, will he not also give you clothes? If he gives you children, will he not also provide for them? This is where I'm guilty of worrying the most, too often. But I have to remember, if he gives the greater, 
won't he also give the lesser? In fact, Paul uses this exact same line of reasoning and argument in Romans 8.32. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Next, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I mean, literally, look up. This is the Sea of Galilee. How many birds do you think flew by in that clip? Your heavenly Father feeds them all. All of them. Jesus is using two different types of arguments here in verse 26 to prove that there's no reason for us to worry. Number one, ultimately, whether or not we have something to eat or drink is not dependent on us. You know, because God designed us to work and work is a good thing, we somehow get fooled into thinking that we provide for ourselves. But we don't. God does. And he doesn't need our help. And the proof of this, look at the birds. They have no job to go to every day. None of these birds are working from nine to five to earn a paycheck. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather and collect and store into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them just like he feeds us. God doesn't need our help. We work because it's good for us, because we were designed to. But God alone is our provider. The second argument is, if God feeds the birds of the air, will he not much more feed you? Are you not of more value than they? I mean, think about it. You were created in God's image. Birds are not. You have an eternal soul. They don't. You are a part of God's kingdom. You're a child of God. You are a literal part of Christ's body. They are not any of these things. You are on this earth to spread the gospel and to become like Christ. Birds don't have that purpose. Even Jesus himself, who is speaking these words we're, that, that we're looking at here in this passage, Jesus became a human, one of us. He didn't become a bird. And Jesus gave himself, he sacrificed himself for us, for humans, like you and me, not birds. I mean, there is no comparison. We are of far more value to God than the birds of the air. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Will he not much more provide food for you and I. If he provides for the lesser, will he not provide for the greater? Not only that, but here's one more argument that's added to it. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In other words, what good does worrying do anyway? How is being anxious going to help in any way? In fact, Worry and stress actually do the opposite. It doesn't add hours to your life. If anything, it subtracts hours from your life. 
According to Science Daily, on average, being under constant stress shortens a person's life expectancy by 2.8 years. Now, I don't know how they came to that number, but we all know stress is not good for you. According to the National Center for Biotechnology Information, excessive levels of stress hormones promote carcinogenesis and prevent immune cells from effectively controlling cancer cells. Further, they can act to promote tumor growth, invasion, and metastasis. Now, I spared you all the details of exactly how and all those little dots in between, mainly because I didn't know how to pronounce the words. <laughs> but basically, it's saying that stress and anxiety are not good. It leads to cancer. It prevents you from healing from it. It can cause it to get worse, and it can cause it to spread. In other words, as Jesus is saying, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Ultimately, God numbers our days, and he will bring us to that number no matter what. Stress and anxiety only make those days less pleasant and less healthy. Verse 28 says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Again, Jesus uses the same type of arguments for those who are anxious about things related to their body, like clothing. He says, consider the lilies of the field, and I'm sure they're all around him, or the wildflowers of the field. And here's actually what they probably were looking at. This is right there in that area. But how did this beauty just, you know, pop up among the grass? The grass can't toil or work in order to make clothing for itself. It can't spin or weave something nice for itself. Here are a few lilies. Even Solomon, the wealthiest king in all of Israel's history, was not clothed or arrayed like one of these. Because no matter what tailor you hire, it's not going to be compared to what God can do. So again, the same two arguments are used. The grass can do nothing for itself, and yet God clothes it. God doesn't need our help. And if God clothes the grass of the field so beautifully, which they will just the next day cut down, throw into, you know, throw into the fire as kindling in order to, to bake some bread, how much more will he take interest in you and in clothing you? Because you are of far more value to God. And notice what Jesus adds at the end of that question. Oh, you of little faith. Because this is the, the real root of the problem. If you're worrying, then you're not trusting, not having faith. You can't worry and trust at the same time, right? I mean, try. Think about something. Try to worry about it and trust God for it at the same time. Right? I mean, it doesn't work. We can't do it. So if you're anxious about something, then you're not having faith that God will take care of it. He will provide for you. And anything that doesn't proceed from faith, as we kind of covered earlier, is sin. 
as it says in Romans 14, 23. Next, in verse 32, Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? You can hear the anxiety in that that Jesus is portraying. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Will I lose my job? Will the prices go up more? Will my kids ever stop ruining their clothes and leaving their jackets at the park? If you're 40 years old, you can measure this based on where you are personally, but if you're 40 years old, God has provided clothes for you to wear for over 14,000 days. And he's provided over 43,000 meals for you to eat so far. He's pretty good at what he does. That's why Jesus says here, therefore, for all these reasons that I've just given you, do not be anxious. He's, up until this point, Jesus has given us six different reasons to not be anxious. Number one, you can't serve two masters. You can't focus on stuff and still serve God. Number two, if God gave you life, he'll give you food. If he gave you a body, he'll give you clothing. Number three, the birds don't farm and God feeds them. The grass doesn't knit and God clothes them. Number four, you're of far more value than birds and you're of far more value than grass. Number five, worry doesn't add to your life. It poisons it. And number six, worry is a lack of faith in God. It's sin. Six solid reasons, six strong arguments against worrying. But wait, there's more. For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. That's reason number seven of why we should not worry because when we do, we are acting like an unbeliever. Do you remember when you were a teenager and your parents would say to you something to the effect of, you are acting like a child. You are behaving childish. Remember how much that would sting? That's what this verse should do. It should sting us. You're acting like a Gentile, like an unbeliever. Because remember, this was before the gospel had spread across the earth, before it had gone out. And so the Gentiles at that time, or the non-Jews, didn't know God anywhere near as much as Israel did. They didn't have the laws, or the prophets, or the miracles, or the temple, or the promises, or even Jesus the Messiah himself to teach them. They didn't know the value of human life compared to birds. They didn't know that they were created in God's image. So it's one thing for the Gentiles to seek after these worldly things. But Jesus was talking to the Jews there on that hillside who had a unique relationship with God. How much more does this apply to us? We have a much better relationship with God than even the Jews did at that time. We have his spirit inside us. And so Jesus is saying here, don't behave like the world. You are a part of God's family. Act like it. And then he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
Frankly, this is why we're here on this earth. This is our purpose. This is our job description as a disciple of Christ in just one sentence, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To become holy and to bear fruit for his kingdom. To let God transform us and then use us to transform others. But if we're busy seeking all these other things in the world, we're not doing the actual job that God has given us. It's kind of like, you know, maybe the place where you work during the week, the job that you have. If you were to scroll through the news headlines and Instagram and watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos, would you be able to get any actual work done for your job? Not really. Every minute that you do those things is time lost from doing your actual job. Not only that, but we know that you start to watch one YouTube video and you're sucked down this vortex of watching all these other videos, right? And on top of that, when you finally pull yourself out of that hole, you have all these thoughts still running through your mind based on what you were just watching. I mean, that's what my friend told me at least. I don't know. <laughs> but this is what Jesus is talking about. Don't seek after the things that Gentiles do. It never ends, and it takes up permanent residence in your mind. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because that's your purpose. That's your actual job on earth. God will take care of all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, finally, one last reason to not worry. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So reason number eight of why we should not worry. You know, Jesus is quite a list because Jesus could have just as easily said to us, why are you worrying? It's stupid. But he doesn't. He takes the time to give at least eight different reasons to not be anxious because he cares for us. He doesn't want us to live a miserable life of constant anxiety. So here's reason number eight. Because worry is the act of trying to deal with tomorrow's problems today. I've always liked this quote from George Washington. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. Worry is the interest paid by those who borrow trouble. It's like we say to ourselves, you know what? I don't have enough trouble. I, I'm not, I don't have enough trouble in my life today. I need more. I don't want to run low. <laughs> so let me go to the bank. Let me borrow some more trouble from tomorrow. And of course, when you borrow something, immediately what? You have to start paying interest on it. That's what worry is. Worry is the interest paid by those who borrow trouble. You're making interest payments on tomorrow's trouble because you weren't satisfied with how much trouble you already had. But Jesus says, tomorrow will be anxious for itself. You are not a part of tomorrow. You are a part of today. Tomorrow is like another person, and that person is not you. So don't worry about someone else's trouble. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Just trust God for today. So now imagine yourself getting up, from that hillside, you know, kind of brushing off the grass. And as you start to meander back to your home, 
you run through your mind these eight different reasons that, God, that Jesus gave you to not worry. Take just a minute and read through them. In Isaiah 26, three, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So let's do that. Let's keep our mind on him. Let's seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. He will take care of all these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you do greatly care about us as we see through Jesus this morning, as he gives us all these reasons for us not to worry, to trust you. You are a God who greatly cares for us and have proven it in so many ways, most greatly through the salvation you've provided through Jesus. But Lord, you have been with us. You have provided for us for years and years already. You have met our needs, and you will Lord, help us to stay focused on the role that you have laid out for us here on this earth, to seek you, to experience you, and to share you with the world and not be caught up in trying to take care of our own needs. Lord, I pray that you would take away the worry, take away the anxiety, take away the, the constant concern over these things. Fill us with a peace, knowing with great confidence you are in control. You have and you always will provide for our needs. Help us to keep our eyes on you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.